You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope wherever you are, you're doing well. This conversation with the great Whitfield Crane, formerly, actually, no, he still is in Ugly Kid Joe, and he was in Life of Agony as well. A lot of people don't realise that, but he replaced uh, Keith Caputo, a.k.a. Mina Caputo, in the late 90s or early 2000s there for a period of time. But the reason for today's chat, I'll get to the point, is to promote the two shows that he is performing in Australia alongside or in the Orchestra of Doom. The first show was in Melbourne on the 3rd of December 2019 at the Palais Theatre and the 7th of December at Darling Harbour Theatre in Sydney. So they're the two shows. Unfortunately, he's not coming up here to Brisbane to put on a show because I'd definitely go to that if it was around. No dramas though. I'll fly down if I have the opportunity to, to catch the Sydney show. So here he is. I should add, we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff through this conversation as well, particularly one of my favourite bands, Fishbone. Let's get to it. Hey, Wit, Andy Mackay-Smith calling. How are you going? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Very good, actually. That was a surprise to hear you pick up, because John sent me through a, um, a pin. I thought I was going to be dialing into a conference, but all good, mate. Here we are, ready and ready, re- ready and raring to go. Sweet molasses. <laughs> Mate, uh, of course, I wouldn't expect you to remember these things, but we had a chat prior to your 2017 Ugly Kid Joe tour of Australia, a tour that I know mm-hmm. was very well received and attended, and uh, people ask to this day when you're coming back, and you are coming back. This time around, you're coming back as Orchestra of Doom, but I'll park that for a moment, and my first question for you is, are you still an honorary Aussie, or have you gone back home? Oh, uh, I, in the last three years, I stayed in Melbourne, Australia, more than any other place in the world. But I am a, a transitorial human being. So uh, I am honorary Aussie, for sure. Of course you are. Uh, particularly, <laughs> uh, you know, like the, I, I spend my, my, my main time in Melbourne, but I have some great friends in Sydney. Um, there's actually a lot more for me to explore in Australia. You know, I spent a lot of time in Byron Bay, Melbourne, a bit of Sydney. But yeah, for sure. Um, for a couple different reasons, yeah. Honorary Ozzy, 100%. There you go, mate, yeah. Well, this time around, you have your Orchestra of Doom project. Uh, I think you're doing this in collaboration as such, even he's helping you produce it with Pat Cash, you know, our, our uh, world champion tennis player there. But So the obvious question is, why are you doing this? I mean, you've done a whole heap through your life, and I can't say that I anticipated that this would be on the agenda or on the radar so two or three years ago when we had that conversation, but what's the driver behind this? Oh, I just like creating art and, and then my, uh, travails, my life travails, it's music. Music is my, you know, my, my, my medium or whatever it is. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I found myself living, I live, once again, I live all over the world. So I found myself in Verona, Italy. I made friends with a bunch of orchestral music, uh, musicians, and we came up with this idea and we did it and it was a total success. And we shook up a town and, connected through, you know, orchestral Black Sabbath, orchestral Ozzy Osbourne, mm. a little bit of Ugly Kid Joe, a little bit of Wick Crane solo stuff, and it was special. And so I didn't know or think I would tour it. Um, of course, I'd want to, but, I, you know, how would I manifest that? Uh, and Yeah, I did not see the dog. Um, that was my brother-in-law. You're right. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, it's just, it, it, you know, I don't have a big horse in the race. I'm not that thought out. I, I, I live life mostly through Braille, you know, like yeah. I just kind of, whatever feels good. Like if I get yep. somewhere and I feel good in a community, I'll stay there. 
And if I, you know, if I, if I see an opportunity to be creative, I'll do it. And do I really ever know where that's going? No. And do I care where not really, I just kind of want to do it and see what happens. And what I'll do pretty much in any context and in, in almost any discipline that I've involved in is I'll put myself in a situation where a, I'm kind of turned on by whatever it is and I'll do everything I can in, within my powers or my experiential to manifest said end. And then I'll let go. Of it, and that's that. And, and most of the time things don't work and that's okay. You know, things aren't supposed to, some things aren't supposed to be, but this has worked and it wants to be. And Pat Cash freaked out and said, you should take it to Australia. And so, on December 3rd, we'll be at the Palais Theater. Boom. Melbourne, Australia. Mm-hmm. And December 7th, we'll be at the Darling Harbour Theater. Bam. Sydney. So it's super cool. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to punish you over this, but I would have loved to have seen it up here in Queensland. Um, but I know there's logistical yeah. reasons oh, we, we, and all the rest of it. For You, you probably can't yeah. do it. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the two shows are enough and people can travel to them because it's not too far to travel. That's right. You know, um, Aussie. Okay, I know you've 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 had a very long relationship with Aussie way back when, when I think you was it NIB that you covered way back in the day or Symptom of the Universe. I know you've done a whole bunch of Aussie stuff with Ugly Kids. I did NIB on the on the Black Sabbath tribute record, and I played Symptom of the Universe when I was in Life Agony. But I've known Aussie yeah. since nineteen ninety one, ninety two, right in there. Look, and I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, but between. It's really about Sharon, but my God, there's a litany of things out there about musicians that have uh, don't have a lot of positive things to say. It must be said, and it's all, almost all to do with the financial side of it with the Osborne camp. But, mate, I've read a lot of your interviews online, and you've had nothing but really positive experiences with uh, with the Osborne family. So, my question for you is: I'm certainly not asking you to comment on what anybody else's experiences have been, but you're close to them, okay? And you're one of the few people that are close to them. And how did that relationship foster? Well, I opened. We opened up for Ozzy, Ozzy Kid Joe. We our biggest tour. We you know we went from living in Isla Vista, California, which is you know a little suburb of Santa Barbara, California. Mm-hmm. Like and within six months, we released our little EP, and within six months, we were on tour with Motorhead and Ozzy, and they got it. Both Motorhead and Ozzy got it. They're like these guys are exactly like we were as kids. So they kind of adopted us. You know, and it's not like mm-hmm. we're not fans. I mean, they're our heroes whether it be Motorhead or Ozzy or Van Halen or Judas Priest or ACDC. I mean, we love this shit. And it's not, it's nothing that has left our center. I didn't grow out of it. And they know that they've seen it all. They're like, all right, they have good bullshit meter, hmm. you know? So, and it's, you know, and I'm, you know, I, and I was a young adult, 23, 24. And those kids, the Ozzy kids were young and they're, they're grown up into their lives. It's fun to see them have kids. I'm like, Jesus hmm. Christ. It's just really just a, a super interesting, interesting and dynamic family, you know? And they don't take shit, and that's good, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't give them any shit, and I, and I love them. That's it. Yeah, no, fair enough. No, that's all good. Yeah, no, I read your comments about uh, uh, Aussie, and uh, you weren't really sure. I think it was Sharon or Aussie or Jack reached out to you and asked, what are you doing with this Orchestra of Doom thing? And you went, uh-oh, okay, we'll see what comes of this. But they ended up sending you some really cool stuff. Can you tell me about the stuff that they ended up sending you in support of this project that you're doing? Yeah, we did it. Well, that, they sent it when I was in Verona. We we're doing it in Verona about 10 days before that show. Hmm. Um, Jack did call me. He said, what's the deal with this orchestra thing? He sounded cool with it. And I was like, well, we're doing it. It's just bad. And then it only dawned on me then that maybe I should have, you know, asked, which is fair enough. Mm-hmm. And he's all, it's, you know, he kind of laughed. And he's like, hey, mom wants to send you something. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> well, what is it? And he's like, uh, I'm not telling you. And I go, is it good? He's all, I'm not telling you. I go, is it bad? He said, I'm not telling you. And I was like, fuck. So I gave him the address. And then, you know, a couple days before the actual show manifested, there was a big, beautiful box, a nice gift from Sharon. 
And inside the box was a bunch of killer Black Sabbath swag, like hoodies and shirts and, you know, cool Sabbath shit. And then it all had, and then it had every idiosyncratic thing that Ozzy needs to go on stage in general. So it had a thermos that Ozzy would use. It had a special honey, a special honey for his vocals that he would use. It had a special cologne that he likes. Every, everything like that. And it had a nice handwritten letter from Ozzy that said that was, you know, they were, that he was excited about it. And hmm. Everybody was excited and to break, break a leg. And I was like, fuck, I almost cried. I mean, I think I teared up because, you know, he's hmm. my hero. Yeah. And, um, and then and the whole family signed it and just wished me well. So, you know, I mean, that's cool. I mean, the main thing about it is like, you know, I really have been affected by that guy. I've been affected by Black Sabbath, a priest. I mean, really to this day, like, you know, like I just worked out and listened to Michael Shanker assault attack and I was released in 1980. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, and so this is, those are my sounds, you know, and sounds are really important to the human experience. And my sounds are Black Sabbath and priest and all those bands. And uh, so for me to be part of something, you know, a conduit of sorts uh, and creating something that's original or interesting, uh, like there's an orchestral experience, orchestra of doom. It's super cool. And to see, you know, I showed a bit of a Dawes and he, and he, it, it made him feel good. And that's the main thing. He's made me feel good or at least accepted my whole life just through his music. Hmm. So for me, you know, to, to show him like, look, check this out. I did this weird thing. He's like, Holy shit. And it made him smile and made him, you know, it obviously affected him in a, in a nice way. And so, you know, for us, I'm sure you feel the same, or you must be a music fan. So yeah. for you to be able to give back in, in any way to whomever has affected you, is a, it's a good fucking thing. It's like a good ping pong game, you know, ping pong rallies on. So, and there's no horse in the race. It's not a big cash grab. It's not, we're not fucking around. We're not trying to really get anywhere. You know what I mean? It's more like a, I understand. You yeah, know, completely. I talk, yeah. I really do. I genuinely so, understand so where that. you're coming from. Yeah. I gotcha. So it is that, and you know, who knows where it'll go and you know, who knows what it'll become, but you know, um, the cornerstones or the foundation is there and everyone that I've, you know, shared it with or whatever has been affected in a really positive way. Um, which of course is, is innately the idea of it and not, and let alone the, 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 the application of doing the gig itself in Verona. So, you know, it's a, it's spooky to go do it in the sense of it's outside my deck, but that's where I feel alive as an artist either way. And, uh, you know, it's great to work with Pat Cash and, I love Australia, so you know, hooray! Mm, Let's yeah. get it on. So you mentioned you, that fellow there. I was going to ask you about him, so you brought it up. But Pat Cash, um, you, you know where he stands in the Australian psyche. He's one of our legends and one of our heroes. And I don't think a lot of people understand or recognise that he is a big heavy metal fan. I mean, you only had to look at his hair back in the eighties to go. There's something else going on there. And then he appeared. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this in the photo sessions for Iron Maiden somewhere in time. And oh, I'm, I don't know. He, he did. I I'm, had no idea. I'm, That's great. Yeah, he loves. He loves Maiden for sure, dude. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm sure that I had the vinyl, and it was either. Either I was I'm going back on my memory here because of of course you know you grow up and you lose the vinyl unfortunately but I had the vinyl I'm yeah. sure he was in it or he was in an accompanying magazine feature that was released around about the same time that I got a couple of years later and he was in there and mm-hmm. he was in there and it was really cool to see that so it does not surprise me at all to see that he's helping you with this wonderful project here but hey, you guys you guys must be mates by this stage here you know I mean you guys must connect on the same level musically oh, 100 percent and I love sports and I love tennis in general just to become tennis is great. Like I grew up playing nine man sports or nine or 11 man sports, mm. you know, yeah, soccer, you know, soccer or, ba- yeah. or American baseball. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm not going to end up on a soccer team again. And I love sports. It's a great outlet. 
And so I've, you know, I've been to tennis. You can play tennis. You just need one human on the other side of the court. Whap! You can smack the ball around and, and get in your sport on. And so I watch a lot of tennis. I love, uh, you know, I love tennis. And um, so I ended up, I've been watching Australia Open, mainly Australia Open, French Open, and Wimbledon forever. Like, I watch it. I'll find it somehow, hook or by crook, wherever I am in the world, I'm going to watch it. I'll borrow someone's computer, and I wish that the, the, uh, the feed was better, but I'll try my best to watch all those things. And so in the last two years, I've seen the Australian Open twice. Um, I've seen um, French Open once, which is killer to see Nadal on clay. And I saw this year, I went with Glenn Tipton to Wimbledon, all via Pat Cash, who's, you know, that's his, that's his universe. Hmm. And so I really do love sports. And I really do care about um, what that is and how it affects me. And, he let, and so he's a, obviously a, a sportsman and a super heavy metal fan. So if you stick us at a table or whatever, we're going to start talking about Black Sabbath and Priest and ACDC and Rose Tattoo and Jimmy Barnes. Mm. We're going to go on and on. We're not going to stop it. So, yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, what, what all the humans love the most, or at least they don't argue about, is, is, is music and, and food. You know, everybody likes melody and rhythm, and everybody likes a good, tasty meal. So, you know, music is something very powerful, and it transcends, you know, sport and, uh, you know, almost anything. Uh, so, you know, and to cross-pollinate an orchestral offering with Black Sabbath or Priest or whatever we would do, it's, um, it's a beautiful thing. And, um, and it's something that's, it, it, there's a, there's a great worth inside that on one hand, it's just like an experience for me, a, a big, crazy suicide mission of sorts, but on like working with the orchestral players in Verona, like they want to get outside their box too. They're like, fuck yeah, we want to play Sabbath, you know, hmm. and I'm all, fuck yeah, that's right. So all of a sudden you're hanging out with, you know, first violinists and cello players and, and piccolo flute players and harp players <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And you're getting gelato or drinking beers or whatever. And, it's really nice to have that experience, which is a musical experience, and it's outside the box, which is tough to do in this day and age. But, you mm. know, it's analog. It's not a computer. Yes. It's not Pro Tools. It's not bullshit. So it's special. There's no Marshall Stacks. There's no, which is cool to do. I mean, lots of bands have done that, and I think it's awesome they did it. But this is like straight up, outside the box, 35-piece orchestra, uh, and it makes me feel, and I'm hard, I'm, you know, I'm not callous, but it's hard to make me feel much of anything. Like, I'm like, holy shit, this is magical. So mm. it's a special thing, man. Yeah. I'm hearing you. And, and another thing you mentioned through there, and it's always shit me the way that the mainstream media has represented heavy metal musicians and fans as not having an interest in sport, like that cliche that, oh, you're not sporty, so you got any music. Bullshit. I'm as big a music fan as what you are. And guess what? I'm a rugby writer. I write about rugby union. And I love rugby. There you go. I, I'm there every Saturday. I've played a lot of it. I've played a lot of soccer. And I never understood that because guess what? All of my mates, similar thing too. You know, they might like rugby league or soccer as well, or basketball especially is a big one here these days. Yeah. And I do a lot of swimming myself, mate. And I've never understood yeah. that disconnect that the mainstream media presents about heavy metal fans when I don't know any, and I'm sure they're out there, but I don't know any heavy metal fans that don't have a serious interest in some sport. And you've just really articulated yeah, no, it. Well, and here's the most interesting, well, first of all, I don't even think they give heavy metal, like, I don't think they give the Grammys in America. I don't, even, I don't think you even yeah. get, like, it's the unwanted art form, let's be honest. I'll just be honest about that. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind that. And, 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 you know, fuck that machine. I don't care. You know? So, you know, here's the gig, dude. All the, that machinery and the Rolling Stone and all that shit, um, 
all that stuff's cool for when it was cool and it had its, you know, it had its monopoly on it and, and that's that. And of course it didn't like heavy metal until it had to with like Metallica or something. You have to be like, all right, we'll bow down to this because it's bigger than anything. And, hmm. um, but in the end, because of that machinery, when I say the machinery, I mean like, let's say the labels themselves, because nobody buys music anymore. When I say music, I mean like if I go make an ugly kid's record, which I will hmm. in the next over, it's not like anyone's going to go buy it in the sense of a million records. You know, some people will check it out, but because no one's buying music, there's no infrastructure for, that machine that you just highlighted, you know, mm. the mainstream, whatever. And because there's no financial infrastructure, that machine's actually dead. So it comes down to like you or me into what we're doing, right? He, she, me, whoever the fuck wants to still hang out here. So if you're sitting there writing about it and I'm sitting here singing it, well, there's not a big financial, it's not a cash grab. No mm. one's, there's not, you're so you on. must really <laughs> innately. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, but it's, it's part of us. You're doing it because you fucking, because you love it. And if you, if you don't love it, that's cool to stop and go love something else. That's fine. So as far as the money machine, which is part of the thing, I'm not against it. I'm not for it. It's a variable. It's gone on to different pastures to gobble up other people's souls. So the people that are left are you and me talking shit. I'm in California. You're in Australia. Mm. I made an orchestra in, in Verona, Italy, and I'm bringing it to, to Melbourne and City. This is, this is what we're doing. And you know, whoever wants to t- tune into that channel and be part of that grace, well then let's go fucking do it. And then as far as other people, like the, the old school um, keepers of the bullshit, I mean, listen, man, heavy metal people of all people, I meet everybody just as you do. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, death metal people, heavy metal people, black shirts, blah, 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 goths, whatever, are the nicest people in the world mm-hmm. compared to a bunch of other different music fans that I'll meet. You know, you can get some pompous people with pompous shows, right? And you're like, oh, wow, okay, right on. But like, you know, I mean, it's an unwanted art form and I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, speaks to me. I never fit in anywhere. I did fit. I fit in a soccer picture. I fit in an Ozzy Osbourne show, you know, mm-hmm. I fit at the gym and I fit with a big bong hit. You know, like, I'm like, where do I fit? So <laughs> I don't fit anywhere. And that's, and that's exactly okay. Yeah. And it gives, gives you the freedom to go, go over the globe like you have. And look, you, you mentioned some really important things in there. I was just talking to Kurt from Metal Church about this exact thing because he brought it up in an interview elsewhere. But do you, I hope you don't mind me asking you this question, but have you guys recouped on as ugly as they want to be and, of course, the big one, America's the least wanted, or was the industry just... Because it's a fucked industry, sorry. I don't mean to swear, but, you know, I mean, it's, no, no, it's so it is, predatory. It is, yeah. But, I mean, are you, are you guys in a position where you've made any money on those two? Because they were big. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We recouped immediately. We never... Uh, I mean, they were big. They sold millions of records. Uh, mm. So we recouped, no problem. Ugly could just never sold the publishing. Oh, really? So we just kind of have to stare at it. We've been offered publishing deals. We're like, fuck that. We believe in our music. So yeah, um, it all, as far as making money in the in the now, for the last, you know, only now since people have been paid for, like the artists are starting to get paid off streaming, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it's not like you could buy a mortgage of a house, but you do, we do sit around and like, you know, I'll be some obscure place and someone will be, here's a check for fucking X amount of dollars and I'll, and I'll laugh out loud. So in a sense, <laughs> it's like a, it's a rock and roll 401k. Yeah. Um, but what will happen is like fans like the Foo Fighters or uh, what's that girl that the, she's the biggest pop artist ever? She's like Adele. Uh, ho, 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 hey, hey, hey. Oh, um, Beyonce. She's got a new song out. No, oh, no, she's ha, ha, hoo. It's a new song. She's great. I like her. Uh, she's really tall and blonde. She's the biggest star in the world today. Okay. No, um, I don't keep in touch with a lot of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. So it's, anyway, she, but someone like that. So, or it could be Beyonce or anything that's massive. Adele is perfect for the. 
for the idea. What will happen for bands getting paid, whether it be Metal Church or Ugly Good Joe, is bands like that who really do have horses in the race mm. will kick will kick ass and make a staple um, reality that will affect you know um, the smaller players, which would be us or Metal Church. So what will happen is like, and what's happening now is people are, are getting paid off streaming. Um, of course, physical uh, products aren't purchased as much and never will be. But as far as streaming goes, it's all, it's getting better and better for the artists. And, you know, so yes, a short answer would be, yes, we recouped years ago. Uh, a middle part of that answer would be, oh, then it didn't really do anything. And we're like, hmm. And then we started touring in 2012 and now we started to make more money for two reasons. One being that we're like, you, you can't get rid of us, we're back. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is because the machinery in, in, in a very real way, the, uh, the streaming services are actually starting to pay the arts. So okay. it's kind of at a, at a, uh, at a, um, a precipice right now. Okay. Fair enough, mate. Hey, have I got time for one more question or have you got another one coming through now? Any other interview coming through now? Oh, no, no, you're the last one. Do, 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 do whatever you want to do. Okay. I'm right here. Sweet. I, I might, I might deep dive, mate, you know, really deep dive on a couple of things here then, because one of my favorite bands is Fishbone. And I know you were mates with them back in the day because Angelo Moore appeared on, uh, well, actually you still are Stairway to Hill and, mm-hmm. and you worked with, mm-hmm. St- and I didn't even realize that Stephen Perkins contributed some percussion on As Ugly As They Want to Be. But my question really is about Fishbone because, uh, and I hope you don't mind me asking questions about other artists, but I never felt bands like 24-7 Spies, Fishbone, I mean, bands of your ilk, if you know what I mean, like late 80s, early 90s, that era there, really kicked on and never got their due. But you know the guys in Fishbone. Do you think that eventually the world's going to understand the great music that they created, as you no doubt probably recognize yourself? Oh, I hope so. Um, one of my heroes in Fishbone, his name is Christopher Dowd, and he wrote that song, Change. He wrote, he, he's one of the primary writers for Fishbone. Hmm. And so if you listen to Truth and Soul, which is a masterpiece, it's as yeah, good as Appetite great. for Destruction, it's as good as Van Halen 1. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's an archetypal record. So there's a song on uh, Truth and Soul, it's called Changes. Ooh, Change. Yep. And I've listened to that song when I'm super sad, down and out. I've listened to that song where I'm ex- excited and grateful and everything's going good. And it's, it's, it's always the whole record moves me, but I've become great friends. Funny enough with Christopher Dowd in the last, let's say eight years, my friend, Robert Trujillo has a band called mass mental. Mm-hmm. And he has all these badass players that come through playing there, like Stephen Perkins included. And, uh, I was in Venice beach sitting at a, uh, like a Spanish tapas restaurant you know, I'm from Palo Alto, so you know I'm not mm-hmm. that big a deal. But there it was. There was there was Christopher Dowd with his big rad fishbone hair. There was Corey Glover from Living Color. There's all these badass <laughs> OG legends that I looked up to. You know, mm. and I kind of leaned in like a little kid, you know, looking at my favorite Santa Claus, and I go, "You're Christopher Dowd," and he's like, "Yes, I am." And I go, "Fuck yeah, dude, changes." And so, um, you know, I hope the main thing is I get it for me. You know, I, I hope everybody gets touched by fishbone or gets turned on by something that they love. Uh, hmm. Are fishbones the architect of, of a lot of things? Yes. Have they gotten their due? Fuck no. Do they deserve the due? Indeed they do. How would they do that? Well, they're out right now touring their ass off with yeah. uh, Rose Clinton. They're back out. So, yeah. you know, I hope everyone gets it. I hope everyone gets it. I mean, everything has its, its time. I mean, I know from, I can just speak for me. I'm just my own little uh, solipsistic freak. Um, <laughs> they freak me out. I love Fishbone. I mean, have you ever seen Enzo perform? He's the greatest frontman that ever lived on the yeah, earth. Yeah, he's fantastic. I mean, the best yeah. frontman that ever, like Meatloaf in his heyday, incredible frontman. Steven Tyler, David Lee Roth, Anthony Kiedis, 
Um, but you know, all those dudes are great and they're, and they're heroes of mine. But if you've ever seen Angela Moore perform, then you know. And if you have, if you haven't seen him perform, then you don't know. And you need to go check it out. These dudes are from uh, the greatest clown car of all time. When they they whip out their horns. They're so musical. And Fish is playing drums again. Yeah, yeah. I I hope and I pray that the world understands what that band gives to this day to the earth. Yeah, Fish is actually in Twenty Four Seven Spies as well, who had a very good album. Uh, soundtrack to the Indian right. Galaxy, Galaxy. I don't know whether you've heard that, man, but holy shit, they're really... I heard that. Yeah, 247 Spies is killer. Yeah, dude, Jimmy, Jimmy and the lads are back. And that King's new... X is back together. Did they, did they break up, did they? King's X. I didn't well, know that. I think it broke up forever. So I think uh, Pinnock got everyone back together. I think they're in the studio. I feel like I saw that. Yeah, well, Hopefully. I've got an interview talk, coming up. Talk, with... about un, talk about unsung heroes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people. I mean, you know, many, what, is, what did Jesus say? Many are called, few are chosen. Yeah. It's a funny game, it all is. You know, who knows? I figure if you can, you know, I don't know. So the key is to figure out why, for me anyway, to be grateful for what you have and keep kicking ass and, and what will be will be. You can't force shit. Uh, you can be frustrated, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Mm. Um, and jealousy doesn't get you anywhere. Envy doesn't get you anywhere. You know, rage can get you somewhere. Anger can. You can use those things as tools. But, um, yeah, objectively, when I look at something like Fishbone, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Because, there's, there's, you know, it's the greatest. Yeah, I just I just think the media... I've got, to, I've got to mention this. I just think... And I've spoken to Vernon Reed from Living Colour and also Will not, Will in not so much detail, but definitely Vernon. I put this to him. I said, I, I don't get why the media won't promote a lot of bands like 24-7 Spies, Fishbone, and you know where I'm getting at. You know what I'm saying. And, yeah, and sure it really gave me the shits, to be honest with you, because that's my music. King's X, exactly. I, I really felt for Doug when in interviews in the late 90s. When, remember when they were appearing on, um, was, it, was it Woodstock or was it the Woodstock thing or whatever? They were appearing on all those so-called alternative festivals with Pearl Jam and stuff, and then the, rec- the industry still wouldn't support them after that. And he cut his hair off. There's right. all these interviews out there about what Doug's experience was with everything because he, he really felt like the band was being marginalised. I think you know the reasons. I won't go there, but you know the reasons that I sure. think they were being I gotcha. marginalised. But the media typecast people, and if you fall outside of that box, they don't support you. And and I really felt that that's that's happened to all of the bands that I've just spoken about. But you know, it's really cool. I don't think Living Color have ever been bigger. I really hope Jimmy and the lads keep going with Twenty Four Seven Spies, and they're able to accrue enough points so that mm-hmm. they can come on tours to Australia. You got all of these wonderful bands. Of course, you guys are doing what you're doing from back in the day. Primus is still going. Faith No More is still going. All these bands that were so relevant mm-hmm. and so important to the industry and are the inspirers of the inspirers. So if it wasn't for Faith No More or Twenty Four Seven Spies, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I've read this. In, in interviews, there'd be no slipknot. Okay, this is what some of these guys. You're totally have said. right. You know, I like. I've never heard anyone use this wording. I really like it. Inspires of the inspirers. That's cool. <laughs> I like that. I call that source players. Yeah, you know what? There's a you know, it, it, it's a it, you can go forever with this conversation, hmm. and everybody has their cross to bear. You know what I mean? Like you know, super like a boy band. You know, like imagine how popular they are, but they don't get paid. They didn't write their song, but yeah, they're playing yeah. you know arenas. So they're they're in their own hell. So everybody has their own private cross to bear. You know, and that's an obvious one you just say, which I agree with you as far as those artists. Hmm. But you know, the main thing for me is to is to you got to be on the pitch to score a goal. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally gotta, true. Yeah. I, I mean, you just got to be out there, and I've I've been in the desert before, where water tastes pretty good, and hunger is the best spice. So, um, you know, yeah. it, it's a, in the end, if you can travel this world's plane to singing songs, which is what I do, and afford to buy a sandwich or a place to rest your head, everything's okay. And you know, 
And once again, even if you get what the thing you think you want, which I've got a bunch of those things, it doesn't fill your cup. It's a cup that can't be filled. So the main thing is to just be creative, in my opinion, and keep, keep just get on with it. And he or she who survives that travail will meet the end and want to find its level. And that's that. Mm, yep. Mate, it's been an awesome chat. Thank you so much. Look, good luck with all of these shows. I know they'll go well. I mean, I hope pre-sales have been high because I think the, sh- the ticket's already available, just available at the end of July for you. But, mate, I think it's a, yeah. it's a I don't think anybody else is doing it. So, uh, you know, from the perspective that a lot of us metal fans, I'm in my 40s, but, you know, the other sort of music that I love is jazz and classical. And not jazz, mm-hmm. obviously, but you're blending classical with hard rock, heavy metal, whatever the term you want to call Sabbath yeah. and Ugly Kid Joe. You're blending the two, so it's a really good opportunity, I think, for people to go out and have a nice dinner somewhere, go and watch your show, and just feel good about life and about the wonderful music that you've created and, and you are playing. I agree with you. Let's get it done. Good on you, mate. Love your work. Thanks so much for the conversation. All right. See you when I do, and I wish you well. Much Thank, love, man. Thanks, Fish brother. rules. Later. Absolutely. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online, and my name, of course, is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was none other than the excellent, the most reverend Whitfield Crane. Thank you so much for listening.